Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. I have a few things to say. First of all, I woke up in a panic because I got a tweet from somebody, Dan Smots from the System is Down podcast, who I did a show with last night. Very fun. I enjoyed meeting him and Dave Casey on Joshua Smith's conspiracy couch, which I was a little nervous about that because I wondered if we were going to start talking about aliens and stuff I don't know anything about. But nope, it was to me was no conspiracy theories. It was absolutely all just conspiracies in evidence. But Dan woke up this morning and said he couldn't unload, uh, download any of our shows on iTunes. So um, I kind of lost my mind. And then I think the issue resolved. But I just want people to kind of be aware that if we disappear from there, we are not gone, gone, gone. You can, if that ever does happen, we will start putting some, the free shows on Rockfin. Right now we're putting all the premium shows on Rockfin, but we're working on doing a kind of private RSS feed so that we can't get taken down. I do have people signed up for the newsletter. I'm going to send out a newsletter this weekend. And if you don't get the newsletter and you think you should, then email me at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com. So I'll have your email address. Tell me you want the newsletter and that'll put you on my kind of bug out list in case we get taken down. So pay attention to that. Rockfin, I think, isn't going to go anywhere for a long time. So you can always find us there. We'll always let you know how to reach us if we're off the feeds, but we're trying to put some backup plans in place. And I wanted people to know that we are going to have a super duper DPP tonight, a disappearing patron party. We have a special guest, at least one of the duo on the Truth or Theory podcast, and we're going to shake it up a little bit. Binkley, we talked about this and I um, put it in the chat already. I already started chatting at the YouTube link where if you get there early and you want to ask us a specific thing about the news or ourselves, our opinions, anything like that before the cocktails really start flowing, you post your question by 20 after the start and we will hit them right away. So while we're lucid, we will just have a <laughs> chat and then, and then you just, they disappear for a reason. So after that, it can get crazy, but it's going to be a really, really good time. So there you go. Those are my highlights for the show. And now on to the top story of the day. Just a couple of a little bit of a grab bag on what I think are related issues. Governor Newsom of California signed a sweeping police reform bill where more than three dozen groups representing police officers opposed it, according to certain sources, mainstream sources. The point of it was to address law enforcement misconduct and to strip officers of their badges for a range of incidents. And what I thought was interesting, there's one thing in the bill I absolutely cannot stand. I'll tell you what that is first, and then I'll tell you what's interesting about this. One of the things is it calls for officers to intervene if they suspect a fellow officer is using too much force. A police group argued that in a fast-moving incident, an officer arriving at the scene might not have enough information to determine if the force is excessive. So, but here's the thing. If they're putting it, could you imagine being in a position where there's a cop having an issue with a suspect? 
And the other cop is may be responsible for policing the other cop as well as dealing with the incident. Everybody loves a micromanager. <laughs> it seems a little a little hard to manage. What could possibly go wrong? You got to get another one to monitor that one and another one to yeah, monitor that exactly. one. Exactly. It's a I see just, something, say something nation. I feel like it's, was it, well, I'm not going to give the movie away because I don't, I hate spoilers. I mean, I really, I don't want to spoil like the Bible, like what, what happens in Revelations, like you're going to have to read it yourself. So it's just like when three people have guns at, on each other and like, they all pull the trigger at once and everybody drops. Like it's I just Mexican feel like standoff is what it's yes, called. Yes, yes, exactly. So, but what I think is weird about this is that they're talking about restraining the police from doing certain things or penalizing them for handling situations in a way that is not okay. So this all seems to feed into the notion that you want to separate out kind of mental health incidents, mental health approaches from something where violence might happen. I don't like that because then anytime an actual cop shows up, he is going to be like hot. He's going to be ready for violence. And I think a lot of times I, or I would never call the cops because I, on even like a, um, a domestic problem, or if I heard somebody next door having an argument, because I would not want to introduce deadly force into a situation that didn't already have it in there. That's why I don't think the cops should always be on high alert like that and might make it worse. I actually tweet suggested this to me. I think it's correct. But I can't help but feel like there's two big purposes to the Gabby Petito thing. One is because clearly, and this thought fleeted across my mind, but I just didn't grab onto it early on, that she was the one cited in the domestic issue. There's some body cam, additional new body cam footage of her that Spiro, our friend Spiro, sent to me this morning. I haven't had a chance to look at it um, in full. But it seems like... She was clearly saying the kind of things that an abused person would say, like, I was wrong, I get too much, blah, blah, blah. And so the way the police officers handled it was very kind of mental health um, intensive. And I feel like because it went horribly wrong, it's going to feed that dialectic of the right saying that's not what we want, like the black and blue thing or the defund the police thing or whatever. It's got to have two sides to it for whatever reason. We Everything's dialectical. So I think the police thing is going to be an issue. And then, of course, I think the domestic terrorism stuff is going to is going to be one of the things that falls out of the Petito op. Well, not to go too deep into this, because I'm not fully informed on it yet. I have been reading up on it, but I think this Britney Spears conservatorship is going to factor into some of this because it's related to mental health. And three documentaries were put out about this in the past week leading up to her case. And this has been all over the news. They've been pushing it hardcore. And it's because they're trying to push through federal legislation to create a nationwide database of conservators to, they say, to protect people from getting exploited with mental health issues. I actually have two comments about the Britney Spears thing. I don't mind getting a little bit off track because that was on my kind of radar already. One is the same within two days that John Hinckley, who shot Reagan and killed Brady, was released unconditionally. So there's no conditions. He could have guns, everything like that. All the conditions that were on there are gone now. 
Whereas Britney's conservatorship, it was removed from her father, but it was given to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So she is not unconditional. And I was like, wow, that sounds weird. She seems totally normal. And you know what the first thing she did was? Yeah, she took her clothes off and took some photos on Instagram. She sent, and it, it wasn't even, so I figured it was going to be Kardashian style. You know, Instagram is all about perfection, right? It was weird, raunchy stuff that was just from her vacation pictures. Like, it, 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 it looked like not a professional. It's like a professional, if you're going to put your, your nude pics up, that's what you're going to do. If you're in your right mind and it's on Instagram, I would expect something a little different. It made her look kind of loopy. She's been doing that throughout this whole process. She's been putting kind of strange sexual pictures up on Instagram where she's smushing her boobs together and and just very weird camera angles, doing a lot of things that make people go, wow, maybe she's a little crazy while this whole thing is about mental health. Yes, yes. Sexually inappropriate behavior is a complete sign of... of, you know, it's not, it isn't de facto mental illness. It's just one of the things that you look at in, like, I was reading about these, all these women who identify as like liberal women having, the majority have a mental health diagnosis. It's the craziest thing. And that that's some of the things that go into the diagnosis. So, but this, uh, there was another thing about the Petito that Dave of Dave versus Goliath last night on that um, show we did I found I did not know about this. So did you see the Dr. Wen video? Her talking we talked about this. Talking to Jake Tapper after the Boston Marathon bombing, and now she's the face of COVID on CNN, looking like she's a doctor, but obviously she's just a media personality with a DR in front of her name. And her her Boston Marathon bombing interview with Tapper did not stand the test of time. When you look at it, it looks like she's just making stuff up or rehearsed or whatever. I didn't I found it interesting. So there's that, but then there's another video I had no idea. Gabby Petito was in a video of a tribute song for what happened in Connecticut in December 2012. Oh, what happened in Connecticut? You can't say those words, right? I can't say those words because now I feel like we're totally getting that. So, oh, and by the way, oh, I got another story to tell you. Um, but by the way. Well, whatever. We'll talk about that later. So she was in that and and the headlines, because I guess it was somebody discovered it. You can't suppress it. And my thing about when I saw Petito being interviewed immediately, like it was very weird, like the, the body cam thing. They were supposedly five weeks in a van and her hair was absolutely looked like it was ironed. Like you could not look like that. And also she looked older to me than 22. And I wondered if she's even American. Like, I don't even know because I, I'm now beginning to think that it, this is very staged. She would have been, what, 14 in 2012? Right. So she would have been 14. And that's what the headline in the New York Post said. Like she was in this video when she was 14 with her little brother or something. But when you watch the video, she looks to me, if, the, if it's the, I mean, it has to be her. She's on a beach holding a baby. She looks to me like she's a mother. She's supposed to be a mother. She looks like a full-grown adult, a 14-year-old woman. I, I, she just does not look like that to me, like absolutely full hips and everything with this baby. It looks like she's supposed to be the mother in this in this video. So I'm I'm really, really scratching my head about this. 
Yeah, hopefully Dog the Bounty Hunter will be able to figure all that out for us. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. When you bring in reality stars... And he's promoting I mean, a just... show. Did you know that? He's actively promoting a new show throughout all of this. Oh, wow. That is really crazy. Well, um, and just in that same theme, actually, Alex Jones was held liable I, um, for... I think it was a default judgment in his coverage of the Connecticut thing. In the same way that I just said, like this, I, I'm skeptical about this, but he it's a default judgment because he wouldn't give the documents that they asked for. And I almost think that the documents would have actually supported his position that those documents would have been interesting to come out. I wish he had. Um, but so I, I just feel like it's something's in the air right now. False. I don't it's like the Connecticut thing now the conspiracy theory is part of the story and I remember Truth Star Boy who used to listen when we were in Atlanta he sent me this like analysis of how often hoax came up on internet searches and it was like almost undetectable before that Connecticut thing and afterwards it had just absolutely exponentially through the roof as if it was intentional that that word like kind of entered the alt lexicon at that time. And I feel like the Petito thing, it's going to, I mean, they show that video. I think the conspiracy theory that might emerge around that is going to be part of the story. And then you've got the domestic terrorism angle too, that you pointed out, which I think is spot on. Well, the domestic terrorism angle is coming hardcore right now especially in the news today, with one of the stories being that guy who threw a Matoff cocktail at a Democrat building in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. It was in Austin, it was, and he threw it at the Democrat headquarters, and he was wearing an American flag bandana, so you know he's probably a white nationalist. That's, I think, <laughs> kind of what that signals there. And there was nobody in the building, and... He left a note that was politically charged, <laughs> but they have not. So nobody's in the building, and he leaves a note for nobody, and he throws a Matoff cocktail in this empty building, while also he set a small stack of papers on fire that was quickly put out by employees of a neighboring business just using a fire extinguisher, and it just happened to be caught on video. You know, we can't find this kid <laughs> who allegedly killed his girlfriend, but this domestic terrorist is lighting paper on fire and throwing Matov cocktails just right in front of cameras. This is the strangest little story here, but it's going to be part of this little narrative where we're going to see these stories seated. Like we had the guy a couple weeks ago who drove up to the library in Washington, D.C. or something, and he was threatening to blow it up if Joe Biden didn't do it. And he talked like this, and he's going, you better talk to me, Joe, or I'm going <laughs> to... And that story just kind of went away. He he never did anything, <laughs> but the, they're just seeding this idea that there's these domestic terrorists homegrown that are just kind of running wild. And on top of that, the FBI said today that domestic terrorism threats are more than twice as high as international terror threats right now. I wouldn't be surprised if they're moving in that direction. Plus, I think that goes hand in hand with them moving away from war as the model for society, because... Part of the so I think part of like what's happening in the Middle East is they take Iran and they take Israel and they put them at odds so that they can basically override, overrun everything in between because Iran and Israel should be the least the least combative over there because they don't share a border. It's the borders that get you like Syria and Israel 
Israel wants some of Syria's property. So that's going to get a little tense. But the the reason I think they focus on Iran is they could justify all of that kind of violence in the middle. So the that kind of violence, that's a traditional like purpose for war. You want to take land, you want to take tax tax payers, farmers, yield. You want yield. So natural resources, all of that. So that I understand why there's going to be territorial violence emanating from the empire over there. But as a model for society, they're moving to a kind of um, more of a one-sided pervasive thing, like the U.S. against everyone, the kind of the way, or I mean, humanity versus everyone, the way it would be if like there was an alien, it's a pandemic, it's an alien species. So that they are are looking inward and downward at the domestic terrorism as a kind of, you know, shifting all of that war anger inward. It was cited as yet another substitute for war in the report from Iron Mountain. Instead of having national boundaries, nation states, the enemy being the other guy, you can have it as a despised minority inside your own border. So I feel like the domestic terrorism thing is is that kind of a substitute for war, and they're actually going to move the resources from war to that. I think you're right in a lot of that. I think they're trying to merge that domestic terror and make it international terror, but make the representative, what the profile of an international terrorist, be that guy who drove the truck to the Washington, D.C., to be the person who, who challenges the vaccine, who questions things, be those people who go out and protest. That, so we have that in America, but we also see it popping up in other countries, and they always refer to it as right-wing extremism, as Trumpism type stuff. So I think they want to take the domestic terror terrorists that they're trying to create and make it international so that they can unite the world with the Great Reset against that group of people. Absolutely. And the terrorists, you're right. It's anti-vax terrorism. It it brings the pandemic into it makes it makes that alien species of a virus or an actual alien or whatever that I just said would unite humanity against that enemy. And it gives it makes some of the people on the side of that alien enemy, kind of like the zombocalypse. They're zombies. Yeah. And this story perfectly illustrates how they're trying to do this. So we've been talking about how the FBI is going around and trying to just stir people up and say, everything's a hate crime. Just call us and we'll be there. Everything is domestic terrorism. If this person doesn't like the vax or they don't wear a mask, just really trying to get, see something, say something nation charged up and going, well, the National School Board Association, which represents more than 90,000 school board members across 14,000 school districts, said yesterday in a letter to President Biden that the unruly and violent conduct at many of the school board meetings, plus death threats directed towards elected members, has risen to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes. And they have requested an investigation by the Department of Justice, Education and Homeland Security and the assistance from the FBI to maintain the safety of the school board members members, as well as the district staff and students. Now, these school board meetings are where the debates about masks have popped up. We've seen the videos. It's where the debates about critical race theory have popped up and vaccine mandates. We see the people who are screaming in the videos that go viral. We also see the very well-put arguments that people make that don't go quite as viral. But now we have this school board, the national school board representative, feeling so emboldened 
to write to the White House and say, look, these people that disagree with us are domestic terrorists and they say that they're a hate group and they're actively calling for them to classify them as such and to get the feds to investigate them. And this is exactly what the feds have been going around the country telling people to do. It's tyranny. Absolutely. It's tyranny. It's tyranny. So I wanted to make a point about that. The mask mandate debate. I heard on the news earlier this week that the ACLU is suing. Who are they suing? I can't remember, but they're suing to overturn, maybe in numerous places. They're suing to overturn mask mandate bans. So this was something I was afraid of. So you have the hero like Ron DeSantis saying private inst- private businesses cannot ask you for vaccination status. And I, I immediately objected to that. You cannot start saying that the governor is allowed to make decisions for what private enterprises want or don't want. You have to have competition at that level. And with public schools there, in a way, I actually, I mean, we can get into the debate about public schools. I'm not a fan of them, but but having a handicapped kid in a public school and my normies in the private schools, the, the public schools, they can't really kick you out. They have to accommodate you. They can't just, uh, they really can't just kick you out because of your religious preferences or your political or any of that. They have to work with you. And I can understand how the the government would have policies or it would be adjudicated of what policies were or were not permitted at a public school. But generally speaking, I would like the, the masks, if, if there were going to be a mask mandate or any kind of any of that, a very, very local level. Like if your kids go to Catholic school, the Catholic school says to do that. You have some control over your church, whatever you could deal with that. But the ACLU is suing based on a uh, protecting people with disabilities, saying it's discriminatory. So a kid who is particularly vulnerable to COVID, which I don't think kids got it at all before the vaccine started coming down. So I don't know what kid that would be, but they have a right to go to school and they will be more likely to get COVID if the other kids aren't wearing masks. That's their argument. And that you were then discriminating against them because then they can't go to school. Although when there are vaccine requirements in places, people who can't be vaccinated, even for medical reasons, are not allowed to go in there. So they're told the entire the vax mandates are in themselves turning out to be quite discriminatory. But my problem with the ACLU's position is twofold to compare it to wheelchair ramps. One is wheelchair ramps. Clearly, you can tell by looking at them that they facilitate the use of wheelchairs. It is true that if you don't have a wheelchair ramp, you might not be able to get into a building if you're in a wheelchair, whereas it is absolutely not in evidence that any kid is is definitely or even possibly going to get COVID because other kids aren't wearing masks. That's just I need to see that in evidence before we even move to the next issue. We don't do which, evidence in this country anymore. <laughs> I know, because that would require research, which is uh, racist. So <laughs> do not. Uh, but the other thing is, even if you were to stipulate, even if you were to prove that there was a one-to-one correlation, according to like pre-existing standards, not these new non-standards, but it's a competing rights issue. See, this is what people don't understand. There are differences between your 
between being able to use a wheelchair ramp, which doesn't interfere with my ability to use the stairs, it does actually interfere with some people's private business who can't, um, if they don't have room to put a wheelchair ramp in, they cannot open their little business. I did know people who had that problem in Dallas. But the, the, but a wheelchair ramp doesn't stop me from walking up the stairs. But if you're telling me I have to wear a mask, I have a right to not wear a mask. I personally think they're bad for you. So you don't have a right to make that decision for me. And then we really would have to prove it. So I just, I feel like it's important once in a while, uh, maybe all the time to identify the logical flaws, the fallacies and what people are saying. I understand logic is gone, but in the law, every once in a while you get a good judge. And this is why I'm really a fan of always fighting the fight and knowing how to fight the fight. A lot of times you get bad judges, but sometimes you get a good one and it's important to understand these distinctions. I th- yeah, sometimes you get one that's not just openly an activist. We do have another example in the news today of what I'm calling weaponized TikTok, because that is what these TikTok challenges are, where they're encouraging students to go out and commit crimes and record themselves committing crimes and then showcase them to the world. The one that was going on last month that I told you about was where the students were compelled to go vandalize their schools and steal from their schools. And it resulted in thousands of dollars of worth of damage in many states. And many students and parents now are actually having to pay restitution payments stemming from that damage done. Well, this month's TikTok challenge takes it a little further as the challenge this month is students are now being encouraged to slap their teachers on the rear end now, school officials are warning the students that <laughs> this challenge, wow. that if they do it, that they're committing sexual assault <laughs> and right. that they could end up with a criminal record that followed them for the rest of their lives. There's an ep- episode of The X-Files where I think the guy's on an elevator or standing in front of a microwave or something. He's in front of technology that has like a little screen on it. And suddenly the screen just starts going, kill, kill. It doesn't say that. It flashes the word kill on it. And the guy just gets in a trance and he follows the command and this starts happening with technology starts giving these instructions to people and they just zone out and they go do it that's what tiktok is with kids essentially through these challenges whatever you want to get a bunch of kids to go do you use tiktok by creating the bandwagon effect you get a few kids to do it and the other kids want to do it they want to get involved and they go out and do it and now you have a documented criminal evidence of a whole generation of tiktokers right there you know use it how you want and you can also what else will they do so it's it's progressively getting worse first they're breaking you know lockers and toilets now they're grabbing their teacher's butt yeah and i think they do escalate that on purpose and maybe they see how far they can go and uh, i agree they are i believe that they are neutralizing generation after generation i feel like there's so many things that are trying to neutralize people from being a vax dodger to having a record from doing this kind of stuff that i mean they're setting these kids up to be canceled and they don't have to cancel all of them they only get they they get everybody guilty and then they just pick and choose who they cancel right that's powerful that there's another powerful story coming as our last big story of the Free 30, in which you will tell us about COVID protests that are sweeping the world. But you're probably the only person in the media who's going to be telling us about that. (laughs) But after the entire Free 30 in the XR We are going to answer the question, can you live forever? And I'm going to ask 
Would you want to? But then I want to tell you about my second choice for president. You will never guess. Hmm. But before we get to any of that, let's give a shout out to a new sponsor, a sponsor I think is very, very cool. I'm going to let you tell us about it because I think you've got your finger on the pulse of this kind of thing. I don't know. I don't want to out you. Well, Dating apps are terrible if you've ever used one, for the most part. They're superficial face-swiping apps. And then there's these quote-unquote expert matching apps, and they, they usually just end up wasting your time. Or half the time, it could just be a bot or a guy pretending to be a girl. You don't know what's going on. There's a solution, though, to those problematic dating apps with Drum, which is a free new values-based dating app where you pick deal-breakers and deal-makers, such as politics, religion, or any other issues that are valuable to you. You can showcase your values so that it matches with the values of a potential partner, and it's video-based. So you make your video and you put it up there so you can see that you're talking to a real person, and they can't Photoshop an image and make themselves look completely different. So as soon as someone matches your deal-breakers and deal-makers, you match theirs, you get a notification. You need to sign up for this. Sign up for free at drom.date slash report. That's D-R-O-M dot date slash prop report. This is the future of dating apps. And if you're into that, check it out. I think it's super cool. It I always cool. thought that having it, something like that would could really result in a, is a good match. You know what else it does is the deal breakers and deal makers make you think about your own values more and helps you identify yes. some of yours. Yes, because I didn't know what's what was a deal actual deal breaker. I was hesitant to answer some of them because I don't care what other people think. But you get to say, do you care if they are this? And you're just letting them know what you are, but also letting them know that you don't care what they are. And I have to say to the ladies out there, we have an unusually large amount of ladies in uh, the listening group for a libertarian podcast. So I just want to give the ladies a heads up that when I go to these meetups, they are propaganda report meetups they are full of gorgeous guys like full of gorgeous guys from every age group every everything and i would highly recommend you go to drum to the propaganda rep- report sub group which i think is like drum.date slash prop report that's right so just just a little just a little tip but i'm going to start doing more meetups actually so maybe we can just meet each other in meet space as well. And I think what Drum's going to do is help with like doing things like that. Like, hey, go to a propaganda report meetup and you can actually meet this person. So just a thought. Anyway, so all I want, I don't want to ask people to, you can if you want to go to patreon.com slash propaganda report or rockfin.com slash propaganda report and get an avalanche of free uh, of uh, premium content at those places. Tonight we're having a DPP, but I... I'm in a little bit of a panic that we were going to get taken down sooner rather than later. I'm, I'm pretty worried about it. And what I really want to do, I just, I have a, I want to maximize our reach while we're still out in the world. Cause once we get taken down, we're just going to be, we're going to have to go to Rockfin or go someplace behind a paywall. And I just want to be able to reach as many people as possible where we're still allowed to free range, you know, kind of roam around. So the best way to do that is if we get five-star reviews on iTunes, 
iTunes or Spotify. I don't even know if you can make reviews on Spotify, but wherever you listen to your podcast, look and see if they can review. If they can't, go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review, please, and a little blurb or two of why you like us, and that will show up on the search engines, and it will actually, to my amazement, recommend this show to people who might want to listen to it. I mean, that is probably going to end. But if you can help us out, we'd love to get to a thousand reviews on iTunes, for example. And it just really cheers me up. It does. So with that, you know how much I care about that. Yeah, yeah. And and if there are if there is constructive criticism, absolutely happy to hear it. But let's let's keep it out of the public. I will even respond to it personally. Just email me at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com. I love to hear from people. So without further ado, let us get to the last big story of the free 30. So there is people who are rising up against these mandates they are protesting them around the world. The only ones that we ever hear about are the crazy ones where someone rips their shirt off and then goes and stabs somebody in the foot or something over a mask. And that's <laughs> probably a provocateur or the one person who just was driven to complete insanity. Most of these protests, people are being reasonable. They're being peaceful. They're doing it the right way, which is why from that story I told you earlier with the school board meetings, writing a letter to the president, they want to classify these groups of people as being domestic terrorists. They want to make people think that these people protesting are are bad, but they're not. And that's why they don't tell you about all these protests when there's so many people doing it right. So I want to just give you a quick rundown of what's going on around the world of people who are protesting the mandates. In Slovenia, tens of thousands of fed up Slovenians attempted to shut down a freeway in the nation's capital. They were chanting, stop Corona fascism. In Italy, today people are marching in the streets against what they're calling the Green Pass, which is a version of the vaccine passport. And we have Ireland where protests in Ireland have been going on since February of 2021. France, They just saw its 11th consecutive weekend of protest over vaccine passports, where roughly 64,000 people took part in over 200 locations to protest. That was just last weekend. And we have Germany, where thousands of Germans marched in late August, just before their national election, to protest the mandates and passports. And in the U.S., just this weekend. So we heard about the new governor of New York and all the weird, strange things she was saying about how holy the vaccine mandates are. There was also a bunch of people who were out there protesting her speech and protesting what she was doing and all the healthcare workers who stepped down because they weren't going to take it. The Netherlands, there's people who are dressed as Nazi officers. This is a little extreme. They dressed as Nazi officers to mock the people who are putting the mandates down. I don't know if I would go anywhere dressed as a Nazi officer. It might not be the best method to do. Yeah, I wonder why um, our hero, Harry Windsor, Prince Harry, got away with that. Did he do that? Oh, yeah, he went to a party dressed as a Nazi. Well, they're allowed to do that. They're allowed to wear blackface, so they can do whatever they want. (laughs) It's perfectly fine. And in Australia, we've seen what's going on in Australia. Yeah, that has been all over the news. So people are rising up around the country. Just If you've got to protest, just do it right. They, they're trying to provoke you. Do it with love. You've got to go the Gandhi approach. you really got to go with the Gandhi approach. I was MI6, but I do hear what you're saying. <laughs> I think he was MI6. I like to say that for dramatic effect, even though I do actually think it's true. But I don't know it's true. So I want to just uh, give a little shout out. In the rap, I was on a podcast the other day by 
listeners and patrons, they have a podcast. Matt and Eric have the Resistance Chronicles. And Matt, he asked for a T-shirt because he goes to a few things in his local neighborhood, New Hampshire. And, you know, I have this thing where if you're going to go to a farmer's market or a festival or whatever, I will send you a Propaganda Report T-shirt and I will tell people where it is and they hopefully will go up and say hi to you so that you can make connections to people who live in your area. So the first thing, he's not going to have the T-shirt by then because this thing starts tomorrow, but um, it's every Saturday through October 30th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., is a farmer's market in Pelham, New Hampshire, 3 Main Street, Pelham, New Hampshire. He has a booth there. He runs or has just started the Granite State Spice Blends. So, Binkley, you and I are going to get some spices in the mail. And I just love spices. I asked him to please convert them into cocktail syrups, but I think I I think I'm moving too fast for Matt. But but Matt is going to be tomorrow, Saturday, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the New Hampshire, the Pelham, New Hampshire Farmers Market, 3 Main Street. Look for the Granite State Spice Blends. And in the future, look for the Propaganda Report t-shirt there. I love that the farmers market's located on Main Street. Just seems it's so, so cute. Seems so homely and so bucolic. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, very, right. very sweet. Very sweet. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. Make sure you go and leave those five star reviews as Monica requested. And if you want to get that extra content that we drop every time we drop a DMB, then you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and sign up there. Or you can go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report and sign up there where we also do video deep dives we will talk to you guys next week or in the dnbxr have a fantastic rest of your day and weekend